You are listening to sermons from the pulpit of the Bible Baptist Church in Marysville, California. We hope you will be blessed as you listen to another practical message. All right, keep your Bibles out here, James chapter number 2. And as we're in this passage, we want to remember context. When we get into James, uh, we find justification in the sight of man. And that's how other people see our faith. Uh, Here, let's look again at uh, James 2 verse 14. What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man uh, may say, I have faith and have not works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, and be warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone." Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me. That's a key term right there. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. And so our actions, our faith, is supposed to result in actions. Amen? Uh, The faith that we have it should resolve into good works. It should resolve into generosity. It should resolve into seeing needs that other people have and doing something about it. And here that's where James was saying, people can see my faith because of my works. Now, God doesn't have to see our works to see our faith. He's God. He knows our belief. He knows that we have faith. And that's where in the book of Romans, we can look at being justified in the sight of God, uh, Romans 5.1. And and with that, when a person is saved, uh, we are justified in his sight. But we're not justified in the eyes of man by our faith. We are justified in the sight of man by our works. The works that our faith causes us to do. Now, I'm so thankful that we have a God who can see my faith, but I'm also so glad that I have a God that did not leave me in that same, that same condition that he found me. You see, after I got saved, the Holy Spirit of God moved in, and he started doing not only some house cleaning, He also started putting me on a different path of things to do, a purpose in life that matters. And so uh, this morning, we're going to look at this passage of Scripture, Uh, look at verse 15, if a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, Notwithstanding, ye give them not those things which are needful for the body, what doth it profit? Can you imagine somebody here this morning coming up and talking to maybe Brother Davis, and he finds out in the conversation that they don't have any food in the house. They don't have any way, anything to eat. And he looks at him and knows he's going home and he's got food ready, crock pots going. There's food on the uh, counter waiting for him to walk in and start eating. And he says, well, God bless you. Have a good day. 
You see, if our faith doesn't even cause us to want to help somebody, it's pretty empty, isn't it? You know, the church gets a bad name because the world says that we're hypocrites. Now, that ought not be the case. The reality is everybody is a hypocrite to some degree because we're not perfect. But it should not be a hypocritical attitude. It should be that we're just not quite living up to what we are, in, we are striving to live up to. Not that we're trying to put on a false front. We ought to be endeavoring to become like Christ. Amen? And so here as we, we look at this passage, we see how some people's faith... It wasn't being lived up to. Their actions were not, uh, and the illustration here that was used was just not showing that their faith moved them to action. And going back to what my pastor always taught me, uh, you only believe that which moves you to action. And that is absolutely a biblical truth. Now, this morning I am concerned about the state of the church. Not just Bible Baptist Church, I am concerned about the state of all of the churches. I'm concerned that there is an apathy that has set in. I'm concerned that there is a disengagement that has taken place. Faith, yes. But what about those works that come along with it? We come on a Sunday morning and we're here, praise the Lord. But if this is all my faith for my entire week, something's missing. If this is the extent of my Christianity when I walk through the doors of the church, whether it's on a Sunday morning, a Sunday night, a Wednesday night, whether it's a compilation, whether it's all of them or some of them, if this is the identity of my faith, then my faith has quite a ways to go. And I'm concerned about that. I'm concerned about the fact that the... the Online, and I'm glad that we have online. And it's a tool to, to be able to reach more people. It's a tool to facilitate those that are unable to be here. And we've got people that watch every single service, and they are unable to be in God's house. Uh, and there, there is nothing that they can do about that. And they are uh, engaged, and I praise the Lord for them. But there's also some that have used it as a step out. It has been a way to try to fit God into our schedule. You know, church used to be a part of everybody's schedule. You know, I think about just, uh, you know, two years ago and just the 
Sunday school that was running at that point and four buses that were running and all the classes and the engagement and the choir that was full and all of the, the, the people that had uh, just a great uh, commitment and dedication. We are seeing that splintered. Now, our faith is not an activity. It's not an activity. Our faith encompasses a life. Now, as we get back to James here, this morning, as I said that I am concerned about the state of the church, I'm not just concerned about the state of the church because of apathy. I'm concerned about the state of the church because of direction. There is... There has been a directional change, and it's not just in the last 18 months. Uh, this is something that has gone on for a period of time. And, and, and with that, I want to just sort of bring some things to everybody's mind this morning because the church's mission is to get the gospel out. Okay, now we are independent Baptists. We believe the Bible. All right. The mission of the church is to get the gospel out. Amen. All right. That, that is something that is so vital for, for the institution of the church, but also for the members of the body of Christ, the membership of the church. And, and it's not just something that we say we have a mission of, it is also something that we are engaged in. But there has been a shift because gospel ministry is not always enjoyable. It's not always comfortable. And there has been a shift to something that we call the social gospel. Now this morning I want to speak to you on the subject, the social gospel slide. The social gospel slide. And let's pray. Father, I do pray that you would just take these thoughts this morning and help us as we uh, look at our view of the church, as we look at our view as a member of the church, as a participant in the church, and uh, part of this assembly of believers. And I pray that you would help us, Lord, to have the proper focus, because Lord, if our focus is wrong, uh, we're not going to get the mission right. And so I pray that you'd help us now, please, for Christ's sake. Amen. There has been a shift in the, the focus of ministry, and uh, our faith is a faith that should act. The faith of a believer, uh, as James is talking about, is going to resolve itself in generosity, seeing the needs of other people, and meeting those needs. And there is definitely a need for the church to be a part of that. But the social gospel, uh, there is a shift to where where churches are embracing a social gospel uh, ideology that is removing them from the mission of the church. 
And this is, this is something that we all have to get in perspective because it sort of happens so slowly uh, that, that we don't even recognize its impact in our own life. I wanna, I'm going to give you several statements this morning. I think I've got seven points, uh, four poems, and three hymns. And uh, No, just kidding. Uh, but I do have a lot of points this morning. I'm going to just sort of walk through some things as I was thinking about this, uh, this problem of the social gospel. Number one, the social gospel ministry focuses on humanitarian needs. The social gospel ministry focuses on humanitarian needs. Now, humanitarian needs are real. Social injustices are are real. Economic issues are real. But the social gospel and the churches that have embraced this ideology of ministry, uh, they are focused on a humanitarian perspective. They are they're focused on humanitarian needs. Uh, they're focused on food. They're focused on water. They're focused on clothing. They're focused on housing and homelessness. They're focused on medical. Now, all of these things are very real needs, but none of those are the mission of the church. See, I already lost you on point one. You see, this, this whole ideology has... has permeated the church to where we don't even recognize the differences between mission and opportunities. You see, these are all good things, and these are all important things, and these are not things that just need to be completely disregarded, but they are not the mission of the church. The mission of the church is get to get the gospel to a lost and dying world. The mission of the church is to get the gospel to a lost and dying world. The mission of the church is to get the gospel to a lost and dying world. That's the reality. That's the truth. Now, all of these things are real problems, and as a Christian, we see and we sense a need to help because of our faith. We want to be generous. We want to help, but that's not the focus of the church. You see, the, the social gospel ministry, uh, they, they are focused, it focuses on humanitarian needs. Secondly, social gospel ministries fulfill an urgent need. They fulfill an urgent need. This, the, the issues that are being dealt with are urgent issues. So we're not disregarding the importance of these areas. These social gospel ministries, they fulfill an urgent need. Food trucks may be going to river bottoms. The feeding ministries, like we supported over in Africa. Uh, doctors going to remote villages and giving needed care to the sick and afflicted. These are urgent needs. They, they meet a need right now. 
but it's still not the mission of the church. Is it a humanitarian issue? Yes. Is it a moral issue for a society? Yes. But it's not the mission of the church. Now, we have a food bank or a food pantry. We're not allowed to call ourselves a bank. There is one bank local, and we work along with the food bank. Uh, this uh, building is going to be done, and we are going to have some many other opportunities to do some things, and we've got uh, a facility that is set up for the food bank and to be able to have more uh, impacts and outreaches for our community. But that's not the mission. The mission is not to just supply the urgent needs uh, that people have. But social gospel ministries, they fill... Uh, they fill a urgent need. Thirdly, social gospel ministries fill an emotional sense of accomplishment. Now, this is the danger. Not just me stepping off of this is danger, but this is the danger. Because believers now are embracing this emotional feeling. I make you feel good and it makes me feel good. So I can serve the Lord and never share the gospel. Who quiet. You see, it's, it's so good because now I am, I am meeting somebody's need and that emotional fulfillment of needs, now that I am feeding somebody's uh, hungry stomach, I am meeting that urgent need. I am putting clothing uh, on somebody's back and meeting that urgent need. It is an instant gratification. There is an emotional feeling that takes place that now all of a sudden, because I did this, I feel good about myself. It is self-validating. But let me tell you, the gospel is not about us self-validating. It's not about us feeling good about ourselves. The gospel mission is about pointing people to the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, changing their eternal destiny from heading to a devil's hell to going to a, uh, to a heaven that's prepared for them. What a wonderful change uh, that takes place. But when you put uh, uh, some food in somebody's mouth and you put a clothing on their back and now all of a sudden you send some money to some starving children in Africa or you build a hut for a medical uh, doctor, these are all good things. There's nothing wrong with any of them, but they are not the job of the church. It's not the mission. It's a byproduct. It's a byproduct. You see, the, the seeing somebody else's need and, and being led to do something about it is a result of my faith, but it is not a replacement for the Great Commission. It's not a replacement for the mission of the church. And so the social gospel ministries, they fulfill an urgent need. Uh, they feel an emotional sense of accomplishment. 
you walk away and feel like, man, I had a part in changing the world. That feels good. That emotional gratification is dangerous because now the people that used to go out and share the good news of the gospel are absolutely content with feeling good about them helping somebody. Don't we feel good when we do something to help somebody else? There is an emotional fulfillment that's there. And that's not wrong. But it's not a replacement. And what's happened is we're seeing churches that are focused completely on these other issues and the body of Christ, the membership, the believers are now getting engaged in all of these things and they feel great about themselves but we're not doing anything with the gospel. We're not getting the gospel out. We're not doing anything to see people saved. You feel like you accomplished something great. And people need a cause to live for. We do. Think about David. When he walked up and he saw Goliath, and here he was defying the armies of the living God. And he went and he was going to, he was going to fight Goliath. And his brother comes back to him and berates him. And he looks at his big brother like, what's wrong with you? Is there not a cause? He recognized that there was a need. Somebody had to do something. And the cause is something. All of us, we have to have a cause. Uh, We have to have something that drives us. But the mission is what is supposed to drive us. The mission is what's supposed to drive us. And here uh, we see that the social gospel ministries, they fill an emotional sense of accomplishment. Number four, social gospel ministries focus on the, te- on the temporal, but seldom get to the eternal. They focus on the temporal, but seldom get to the eternal. You know, good intentions aren't enough. You know, when we had, when we had people come up for food, and we, when we supply needs for people all the time. But you know what happens? Somebody comes up for food, and we have one person go get some food, and we have somebody else sit down with the gospel. And I would say probably 65, 70% of the time, we'll see somebody saved. You see, this is just a hook. This is just a tool. This is an opportunity. It is meeting a need that people have, absolutely. And because we have faith, we want to do something to be able to be a help and a blessing to people. But at the same time, the mission isn't just to fill a belly. The mission is to get the good news of the gospel, and it will change their eternal destiny. You see, the gospel is the mission. So social gospel ministries, uh, they focus on the temporal, but seldom get to the eternal. Uh, Good intentions, they are not enough. You know, they all expect someone else is going to talk about it. I mean, after all, we're in church, so somebody will talk to them about the Lord, 
But that's not really my job. My job is just to fill their bowl with soup. My job is just to go through the pantry and find them some clothes. My job is to help them with these other urgent needs. They don't have a clear mission of reaching the lost. There isn't, a, 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 isn't preparation for getting beyond the urgent need. The urgent need is the most important thing. With the thought that someday then we will have an opportunity to get the gospel to them. But if we're not using that opportunity, then all we are doing is meeting a physical need which is important, but is not the most important. The focus on the temporal seldom gets to the eternal. Number five, gospel-centered ministries focuses on the gospel. Gospel-centered ministry focuses on the gospel. It's first. It's like these glasses. Last night we went to the, uh, to the uh, rodeo, Marysville Stampede. And it was still daylight, and so I had my sunglasses on. Well, then it got dark, and I can't see without my glasses, so I didn't bring these ones. I was afraid that I'd lose them or get them broke, and so I left them in the car. And so it's already getting dark, and I'm wearing glasses because I can't see without them. Uh, but everything is, is so dark that I can't hardly see it. I can see the dark very clearly, but I can't see anything beyond. Uh, and, and so here I had my, my glasses on, and, and the darkness sort of overshadowed everything else. You know, with the, as a believer and as the church, you know, the gospel is supposed to be the overview of everything. It's, it's supposed to be the most important thing. It is, it is the, sure, are we going to uh, help people? Absolutely. Are we going to counsel uh, and help try to put families back together? Are we going to deal with the addictions and the recovery? Are we going to uh, try to reach out to the, uh, to the, the homeless? Are we going to try to help uh, those that are, are housebound and, and uh, uh, shut-ins? Sure, there are a lot of things that we're going to do, and we're going to run the buses, and we're going to send out missionaries, but the reason we are doing all of them is because of the gospel. And the focus is that this is an opportunity that is going to give us the ability to communicate the good news of the gospel. You know, the gospel good news is only good news to those that hear it. It's not good news to those that don't know it. And you and I, we have the good news. But there's a world that has never heard. There are people that are all around us. That when you use the term gospel, they may have heard the term, but they have no idea what it represents. 
They have no idea the good news that's there. You see, gospel-centered ministry focuses on the gospel. Romans 1, 14 to 16, Paul said, I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Uh, see, a Christ-centered ministry is going to focus on the gospel, and that takes all of us. Not just me. Not just the staff. It takes the whole church. You see, gospel-centered ministry is not just an activity. It's not just something we do. It's not just an, uh, an event that takes place at the invitation time. A gospel-centered ministry is one that the people are a part of. Amen. We'll talk about that tonight. You've got to come back. So a Christ-centered ministry is going to focus on the eternal, the never-dying souls of men and women and boys and girls. Uh, it, doesn't, uh, it doesn't matter, it doesn't, or it doesn't mean that we can't have a food kitchen. It doesn't mean that we can't have uh, a, a, a clothing closet. It doesn't mean that we can't help in all these different areas, but those cannot be the focus. It's not the purpose. It is a it's a manifestation of our faith, but the focus is to get the gospel out. I think about Pacific Garden Mission. It is the oldest, most continuously run mission in the United States. It started in 1844, and it has run uh, for all of these years. 1877, I think it was, uh, and, and it has operated uh, for all of these years. Just unbelievable. Uh, so 1877, so for, for 144 years, uh, Pacific Garden Mission has operated. Uh, and, uh, you know, when you look at that, uh, that uh, uh, ministry there, it, it is unbelievable. Go to that slide real quick if you would there. When you look at their core values, I don't know that you can read them or not. Uh, Miss Don, can you expand that or, or no? Okay, all right. So uh, right there on their mission slide there, the purpose to reach the lost with the gospel of Christ. Right out front, that is their, their purpose. The mission statement, we serve with the compassion of Christ and minister with a transforming message of the gospel. Uh, then it goes, purpose, mission statement, vision. We offer life answers through faith in Jesus Christ through any season of life so that our guests become fully functioning followers of Christ. Then you look at the core values, faith, the word, truth, and love. You know what? That is a, that is a gospel-centered ministry. 
When I was in Bible college, uh, our college was in Indiana, and I went to, uh, uh, into Chicago every weekend to minister, and, and as we were serving there, uh, we would go into PGM and be able to see what, was, uh, what they were doing and the work that was going on. It is so God, everything just revolves around the gospel. They're going to have food at the mission, but guess what? Everybody's getting preached to. Uh, they're going to have uh, clothing that's there, but somebody is going to share the gospel with them. They're going to try to find them a bed, but as they're finding them a bed, somebody's going to talk to them about their never dying soul uh, that's going to spend an eternity somewhere. Uh, there is a focus that's there. Uh, and this ministry, uh, it, it has just continued serve uh, the Chicagoland area and has been a, uh, it's been a model for so many other missions. Uh, but the result is this mission, uh, it has been uh, a, a location for people's lives to be transformed by the saving power of the gospel. You know, the gospel is the answer for every one of life's questions. Say, Pastor, somebody has a, a recovery pro, pro, uh, problem. They're, they're, they're in an addiction. Uh, how, how do we help them get them the gospel? We have somebody that's dealing with moral issues in their life. How do we help them get them the gospel? How do, we, how do we help someone that uh, is, uh, is not working and they're, uh, they're unwilling to go and work and provide? Get them the gospel. Just think about what Jesus has done in your life. You see, the gospel of Jesus Christ is not just salvation. It is the impact of an entire life. Number six, gospel-centered ministry focuses not just on the gospel, it focuses on obedience. Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, uh, teaching them uh, to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. Uh, what do we find here? Uh, the go, the win, the baptize, and the teach. Go, win, baptize, teach. It's the go, share the good news. There's the obedience. Tell people about the good news of the gospel. Win them to Christ. Because you have to win them before you can baptize them. All right, so you win them. You go, you win. Then you baptize them. First step of obedience after salvation. And then uh, you teach. What do you teach? You disciple them uh, in uh, the word of God. So they have the ability to know how to live. And so they then can be obedient to the Lord. So they in turn can now go and win and baptize and teach. And it's a process that is ongoing. It's a life. The gospel is a life and gospel-centered ministry is going to focus on obedience not just on feeling lastly gospel-centered ministry is not as socially acceptable just stop and think about it in your life you hear about a church that is working down on the river bottoms. Or they are 
working towards maybe the Afghan, Afghani people that are coming over. Or they're working towards the hurricane victims of Ida. And you think, oh, my church isn't doing that. Oh, we should do, we should do that. Now, I'm not saying at some point we wouldn't be able to do more but we will not do more in place of the gospel. It's not going to be a trade-off. But the social gospel ministries are event-based. You think about what they do. It keeps changing based on the current events of what's going on. And the reality is, you know what that does? It gets people's attention. You hear about a ministry that's digging a well and helping provide fresh, clean water for a village in Africa. You say, Pastor, do you not want people to have clean water? Absolutely, I want to have people to have clean water. But it's a lot easier to get people in the pews engaged in something that they feel good about immediately than it does to get them and keep them engaged in mission. It's a reality. And all of these events that go on in the world, we can't fix them all. We know that. And with the hundred and what I've met hundred people in here this morning, right in there somewhere, we can't we can't facilitate workers for all of the different events or the finances for all of the events. But we can try to reach our community with the gospel. Our Jerusalem, that's the focus. Judea, our state. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the country. And then the uttermost part of the earth. Three quarters of the gospel, 75% of the gospel begins at home. But when we look at the danger, the slippery slide is that we feel so good about being a part of these other things. And I can feel good about them without ever fulfilling the commission at all. Not being involved at all with getting the gospel out. You see, the work and labor and the, in the mission of the gospel becomes viewed as unimportant or somebody else's responsibility. Man, it's quiet in here. 
So, Pastor, no, I believe the gospel's important. When was the last time you shared the gospel with somebody? Well, you know, there was somebody on the side of the road, and, you know, I was leaving Walmart, and they're out there, and I could see that they're hungry, and I gave them some food, or I gave them a little bit of money. Man, it felt good. But how engaged are we in the gospel? The church's mission is to get the gospel out. The mission of the church is hindered for two reasons. Manpower and money. Man, it's re- now that I mention money, it's really quiet. It takes both. It takes both. You know, the mission of the local body of believers right here, he said, oh, Pastor, all these other things are good things, and I'm not against any of them. I think all of these other ways to have opportunity to have influence in people's lives uh, gives us uh, an inroad to share the gospel. The problem is these, these social gospel ministries, they're not sharing the gospel, or it's so, so uh, last hand uh, and afterthought that people aren't getting saved. And, I, and I'll just... I'll just say it this way. Think about how many people that have come from churches that are like that, that will come here and their kids get saved. But they had a thousand programs. Come on now. They were in church every Sunday, but, but they didn't know the gospel. They didn't know if they died that they were gonna go to heaven. If they were confronted uh, and someone was to ask them, are you sure if you died right now, heaven would be your home? Well, you know, I sure hope so. You know, I, you know, I know the Lord loves me and I go to church and I've been baptized, and, but they don't know the gospel. Why? Because they were in a church, not a bad place, not bad people, but the focus was not the gospel. And people are going to go to hell from the pews of churches because the churches have shifted to a social gospel philosophy. They are what we would call attractional ministries, not a missional ministry. And people come in for what they get, not because of what is being taught. Now, I know this message this morning is one that can ruffle all kinds of feathers. I'm not trying to attack anybody. I'm just telling you, we're not going to be a social gospel ministry. We're not gonna be a social gospel ministry. But on the other hand, I need your help. 
Because if the, the believers in the church are not engaged in the mission of the church, then the church will die. You know, I was looking just this week, I was going over preparing for the, the next year and the theme for next year and uh, going over just, uh, just uh, some, uh, some thoughts and ideas and plans. And, and as I was working through some, I was, I was looking at just growth. We have to grow by about 15% every year just to maintain. So for us to even grow and have any significance in growth, for us to have a 10% growth, we have to grow 25%. Why? Because people move, people get frustrated, people get ups, upset with a message, they get upset because Brother Franklin didn't shake their hand. No, there, there are so many issues that go on. But if we are going to stay focused on the gospel, all of us have to make sure that our mindset is there. Okay? Two points. I'm done. Manpower. What could happen to our community if every one of us invited somebody to church? Just think about it. Think about what would happen if all of us would come to go pass out tracks. Yesterday we had, there's three of us together and uh, we had, uh, I'm not sure, maybe, maybe 20 people, 25 people here yesterday to go uh, share the gospel and uh, we got to a street and as we were out on that street, uh, there, this street had already been done. And so anyway, we had to backtrack and I said, well, let's go to Walmart. And so we, uh, it's, it's great, go to a fishing hole. If you want fish, go to a fishing hole. And so uh, you talk about a lot of people that are there. So we went to Walmart, and I don't know how many people we got to talk to. I mean, out in the parking lot and walking, uh, and all of the receptiveness. They, people were just receptive. You know, gave them a flyer about the bus ministry, gave them a gospel track, and I didn't have one person say, no, I don't want that. Get away from me. Didn't have any of that. Everybody was very receptive. And just in a, a little bit of time, we got probably 100 flyers out and gospel tracts and putting them on windows and handing them to people. And, uh, you know, there is a way for all of us to be a, a part of the mission. You go out to lunch today, give somebody a gospel track. Say, Pastor, I don't have any. They're right back here on the wall. All right, when we go to leave, ushers, just had, grab some, some tracks. If you'd like some, every track stack has 10 of them. 10. You know how easy it is to pass out 10 gospel tracks? If you've got kids, it's really easy. You go to the gas station, you hand it to a person that's standing there. You go to the the store and you give it to the clerk 
Maybe somebody's standing there next to you. Hey, let me give you an invitation. Did you get one of these? Give one of them to them. And, you know, there's just something about being engaged and encouraging people to come to church and to get the gospel. The back of every track has the gospel on it. Pastor Rule up in Chico, his wife, she was a, before she got saved, she was a, uh, a waitress and somebody left a gospel track. She didn't throw the track away. She hung onto that track, and I don't remember the story, how long it was, but that she kept that track, and finally she read it and got saved. Now she's a pastor's wife. 30 plus years serving the Lord. The person that handed her the track has no idea. It's awesome. You see, it takes manpower. All right, now it's, where it's really getting quiet. It takes money. It takes money. For the mission of the church to go forward, it takes money. God's got a plan, though. And his plan isn't that he's going to dump a million dollars out of the sky. Could he? Sure. He's God. He could. But you know what his plan is for this local church? It is for you to be engaged, tithes, and offerings. Tithes and offerings. Amen. He said, well, I don't have much. Then 10% just won't be much. Well, man, I've got a lot, and if I gave 10%, it would be a lot. Praise the Lord. I'm looking for some of those. But God, God's plan, tithe, the tithe means a tenth. 10%. Whether it's a dollar or a dime or whether it's a $1,000 a week or $10,000 a week. The tithe, the Bible says, is the Lord's. And that's his plan for the operation of his church. There's enough money right here for this ministry to move forward. A couple years ago, we had our books audited. And Brother Valier, when he audited the books, 64% of the givers gave less than 3% of the income for the year. The summation of 64 out of 100 came up with 3%. That's a tragedy. They say that during the Great Depression, the average tithe was higher than the average tithe of believers today. During the Great Depression, 
See, it's just all a part of the heart. And you and I, no matter how much we have or don't have, we all need to be a part of this mission. Manpower and money allows the mission to move forward. And for us to be gospel-centered, we need everybody's help. Saturday at 10 o'clock, Maybe we can meet right in here because there's too many people to meet over there. What would that be like? It'd be unreal. Say, I don't know what to say. You know what? Then you go up to a door and you just put a track on the door and you keep on going. You say, well, what do I say if I knock on the door? Don't knock on the door. You got to start somewhere. Or we'll put you someone that does know what to say. I was out with somebody yesterday and they were not ready to talk. I said, hey, whenever you're ready to talk, uh, we'll, we'll let you, you talk, you just let me know. So I'm, I'll let you know. Wasn't quite ready. Okay, that's fine. No pressure. But you see this, Getting the gospel out, it's for all of us. And if we as a church body are not going to be working together, then it is going to just, we're just going to struggle trying to fulfill the mission because we don't have the money, we don't have the manpower and the ability to support. And you know what it does? It puts so much weight on those that are trying. little statement we have on our staff manual, teamwork makes the dream work. We've all heard it, but it's true. Everybody working together, we could accomplish a great thing. The social gospel slide, and it's easy to get on it because it seems pretty fulfilling. But when you come to the end of the slide, all you had was a feeling. You didn't have anybody's lives transformed. If we feed a soul or feed a, feed a person's belly and then they die and go to hell, what good is it? What good is it? Father, I pray that you'd help us. Thank you for your goodness to us. And Lord, uh, everybody has listened so well. I pray that you'd help all of us just to recognize our need to be a part. Uh, and Lord, this, uh, this world needs people that have faith and they need people that are uh, generous and seeing all these different urgent needs that can be met. Uh, but Lord, if we, uh, if we don't have the support of your people, then Lord, we're not gonna be able to reach the needs. And I do pray that you'd help us just to keep our focus uh, on the mission, the gospel, and just help us now. Lord, I pray that you just speak to hearts. Head bowed, eyes, eyes closed. Maybe you're here this morning and you're here today and you don't know for sure if you died, you're going to heaven. You don't know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you died right now, that heaven would be your home. Let me tell you, there's an answer and there's a way for you to know. You say, pastor, I'm unsure. 
I don't know if I died, I'd go to heaven. I'm concerned about it. You say, Pastor, pray for me. Nobody's looking around. I won't come to you. I won't embarrass you, but I want to pray for you. Pastor, pray for me. I'm unsure of my internal destiny. Just slip your hand up. Let me pray for you this morning. Let me pray for you. All right. How about it, Christian? Where are we at in this gospel? Mission. Say, Pastor, the Lord spoke to my heart. There's an area I've got to work on. There's an area I've got to change. There's an area I've got to get engaged in. Nobody's looking around. You say, Pastor, that's me this morning. Just slip your hand up. Slip your hand up. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's not just slip a hand up. Let's allow God to do something so we are staying engaged. Father, I do pray that you would help us, Lord, to fulfill your plan in our lives. I pray that you'd help us to sense uh, the great cause that we are to live for. And I pray that you would bless these hands that were raised. And uh, Lord, help us to be the believer you'd want us to be. Please, for Christ's sake, we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. The instruments will play. Uh, The altar is open. If the Lord spoke to your heart this morning, you come. Maybe you're here. You don't know of your eternal destiny. You have some questions. Uh, The men are down front. Let me encourage you to come. We'll have someone share the good news of the gospel with you. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our service. If you would like to hear more, visit our website at bbc4me.org. That's bbc, the number four, me.org. May God bless you.